Hello, First Church family. I hope you are all doing well. My name is uh, Rob Snow. I, ad I attend here at First Church. And today I want to uh, lead us in a time of prayer when, um, you know, there's so much uh, uncertainty swirling about and where many of us are, are locked up in our homes and so forth. It's uh, uh, this time of prayer of just uh, for me to connect with you and to raise up the concerns maybe that are on your heart before God, if I can do that on your behalf, and we can just uh, pray as a people uh, this morning or whenever you're happening uh, to listen to this, I think is a time that God can use to encourage our hearts uh, with, uh, with one another through his spirit. And uh, so I want to read a passage from Ephesians, and it's uh, Paul's prayer for the, feet, for the Ephesians. Perhaps you're familiar with it in Ephesians 3.14. Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that through Christ, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And I don't know what your needs are today, but, but maybe you need a, an immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine response from God today. And, and as we lift up our concerns uh, to God, I invite you to just to enter into this time of prayer with a, with a posture of faith and, and of hope when so much of what we see in the news is, is the opposite of, of things are going to get worse and, um, and of despair and discouragement. I just, uh, I, I pray this morning as, as we uh, pray here in a moment that you'll experience the, the Spirit of God uh, bringing consolation and encouragement into your hearts this morning. And so let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you, first of all, for your character. You are a God of love, of faithfulness, of, um, of mercy, and, and you're not a God who's separate and aloof from our circumstances, but like when the Israelites were suffering um, during their time in Egypt, you, you heard their cries, you saw their misery, and, and you knew their situation, Lord. And, and we bring with that promise, we bring that before you, knowing and trusting that you're a God who's aware of our circumstances. And and so, Lord, we, we just ask that your spirit would just indwell our hearts and our minds richly in these days. That, Lord, those who um, are having to self-isolate or uh, maybe those who are elderly and unable and, and should not be getting out, Lord, that just where they are now, Lord, would your Holy Spirit just bring a sense of, uh, of comfort and of peace uh, to them where they are this morning, God. And, and um, 
you know, for those of us, Lord, who uh, are experiencing uh, financial uncertainties, maybe news this past week of, of, a, of a layoff of uh, unemployment, Lord, I just pray your Holy Spirit's presence upon them. I also pray, Lord, that you would give uh, all of us the courage to, to ask and to, to step out and to, to ask for help from, from our church family or from uh, close friends, relatives. Lord, give us the courage to ask for help uh, if we feel we need uh, help in certain areas, Lord. Um, I just, I, I pray that... Uh, as we have uh, loved ones on our minds, maybe that we can't see, would you just, uh, and, and can't connect with in a, in a physical way, Lord, would you just uh, be with those of us, Lord, who, who want to connect with others and just to, to be able to see a face in person and, and to, to hold a hand or to give a hug, Lord, would you just give us assurance that, that you are present in the lives of our loved ones, Lord, and and, and God, as we, we think about this, uh, you know, pandemic uh, ramping up in, in our part of the world, God, we, we do pray for an immeasurably more uh, than we can ask or imagine move of God that this would not be a worst case scenario, that, that uh, your, your spirit would, would move in our land, God, to, um, to just to, to quell um, this kind of rising tide, Lord, that we see around us, that that, um, yeah, your, your spirit would bring healing. And God, let us be people of faith in these days. Let us be people whose eyes are opened uh, to the needs around us, Lord, as, as maybe it's a friend or, or a neighbor. God, as your people, that, that we could be used by you to, to bless those around us, God. I also think of the just the frontline uh, medical people, Lord, who um, who are giving of themselves daily, and, and in, in some cases risking their lives um, to help uh, the vulnerable, to help the sick. Would you just uh, protect them? I pray, and, and the, the medical personnel within our own church family. Would you uh, draw it near to them in these days? And so, God, we, we just come before you as your people. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is a spirit that brings joy, is a spirit that brings comfort, uh, that, this, uh, that your spirit brings fellowship. And God, even though some of us may be by ourselves, would we know the joy and the fellowship that, that your spirit brings, God, of, 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 of just being uh, with Jesus as a, as a fellow heir, as a, as a brother or a sister, knowing the love of our Heavenly Father, uh, or knowing the consolation that your Holy Spirit brings. And so would uh, just you, God, the triune God, reach out and, and minister to each of us and, and to those whom we love in, in maybe even surprising ways, Lord. And, and for those of us, Lord, who are grieving uh, the loss of loved ones in these days or, or maybe, you know, bad news uh, as far as our medical health is concerned, would, would we know the, the Spirit in the way that the Spirit grieves with us in our current situation, knowing that the world at the same time that the Spirit brings hope, the world in which we live is, is not the end of the story that there's a day coming when we will have new bodies suited for a new spiritual existence and we will know you uh, fully, even as you know us fully right now. And so we claim to those promises as well. 
And so, God, we just lift ourselves before you in these days. And, and we pray that um, you would just continue to journey with us as your people. And we just thank you for your faithfulness and who you are. And in your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who uh, don't know who I am, my name is Alyssa Weens, and I'm the youth pastor here at First Naz. Um, and wherever you are this morning, if you're sitting at home and you're cozy in your pajamas, um, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in and for joining me here. Um, well, in our house, we've been watching TV a little bit more than usual lately. Um, we've been watching the news a lot, as I'm sure lots of you are. And uh, an interesting thing that comes with watching TV is commercials. So in our house, we don't usually uh, watch a whole lot of TV. We don't have cable. So my kids um, haven't really been exposed to commercials a whole lot. Uh, but the other day, we were sitting down at dinner, and my five-year-old son, Joshua, um, starts singing this song. And he's saying, shingles are preventable. Shingles are preventable. Shingles are preventable. And then my daughter, who's eight, chimes in, and she's got this like little like dab thing going. So she's going, shingles are preventable. Shingles are preventable. And Jay, my husband and I are just laughing. We're, we're just killing ourselves. Like, and, then, and we say, so I say to Josh, do you even know what you're singing about right now? Do you know, do you guys even know what shingles are? <laughs> Josh says, yeah, they're preventable. And then my daughter says, oh, no, no, I know what they are. I know what they are. Um, they're those chips that you get in a can, right? Shingles. No, she meant Pringles. Pringles. We thought it was pretty funny. So, uh, yeah, wherever you are this morning, I won't know if you think it's funny or not because I'm actually talking to myself in an empty room. Uh, but hopefully you are laughing, too. Uh, so we're in a series right now called The Road to Glory, and, and we're following the footsteps of Jesus as he makes his way towards the cross. And last week, Pastor Brian spoke about the anointing at Bethany, and he challenged us all to pour ourselves out for the sake of the gospel. Now this week, I'm going to be talking about the journey of Peter, uh, from the moment, uh, really, that Jesus predicts Peter's denial, uh, which takes place right after the Last Supper, um, and then going through to the moment when uh, Peter forsakes Jesus and denies him, and then right up until um, we'll, we'll look at some scripture from First Peter, which really kind of brings this whole experience full circle. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning and you want to follow along, uh, please go ahead and open them up to Mark 14, verse 27. And here we see that Jesus and the disciples have just finished having the Last Supper, and they've gone out to the Mount of Olives. So Mark 14, verse 27 says, You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, Even if I fall away, if all fall away, sorry, I will not. But Jesus says, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, 
I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. And then we're going to fast forward a bit down to verse 66 so we can see how this really plays out. So um, at this point, Jesus has stood before the Sanhedrin. Um, he's been sentenced to death. And his friends have watched him be beaten and taken away. So verse 66 says, While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and he went out into the entryway. And when the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them, and again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time, and then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Now, I can honestly say that up until this last week, I've never really given uh, the denial of Peter much thought, um, or at least not with a fair and open mind. Um, I always just took it as a piece of scripture where one of Jesus' Jesus's most loyal followers did the unthinkable and abandoned him in his time of need. And if I'm honest, in the back of my mind, I've read through it and saw, thought, how could he? You know, how could you do that? How could you do that to Jesus? I, I could never do that to Jesus. However, I remember a time before I had children uh, where I vowed that someday when I did have kids, they would never be allowed to watch TV. And my whole family is probably laughing at home watching this um, because I'm pretty sure my daughter was only six months old when I sat her down and I actually tried teaching her how to watch TV. I wanted her to watch TV so I could have a shower. And I also vowed that I would never homeschool my children. Uh, not because I disagree with it necessarily, but um, because I was sure that I would murder them, that I would murder my children. Um, and yet here we are. I'm homeschooling them, and um, they're still alive, though. Don't worry, um, for now. My point is this. It's so easy to judge a situation from afar and say, well, if I was in their shoes, then this is what I would do instead, or how could they do that? I would never do that. But here's the truth. I can say that all I want, but I've never watched my best friend be dragged away from me beaten and sentenced to death, and then was faced with the decision to either deny knowing him and save myself, or align myself with him and, and experience a similar fate. I have not been in that situation, um, but I will tell you about a situation I have been in, and I think it's a situation or a state that many of you have been in too. Um, I have been afraid for my life. So when I, was um, sorry, when I was expecting my son Josh, um, my husband Jay and I went on what's called a baby moon. So I was about six months pregnant, and we went to Mexico. 
and um, unfortunately, the weather was awful. It was rainy, it was windy, um, and I was so mad um, because, while well, I was pregnant, and also because I just wanted to enjoy this vacation uh, that we had paid for. And so um, I decided, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to fight against this. I want to go snorkeling. I want to go snorkeling in the ocean. This is what I want to do. Um, so even though the waves were huge, there's like a red flag on the beach saying don't swim. Um, you couldn't actually see anything in the water anyways because the sand was being churned up. Um, I marched into the water with my snorkel gear on and my great big belly and Jay followed. Um, and I started swimming and all of a sudden I kind of came up and I looked around and I was in the process of being swept out to sea. Um, I had totally been caught in a riptide and I was so far from land that was just like the, a little speck. I um, mean, it was terrifying. And thank goodness, uh, my husband Jay, the voice of reason in our home, um, he had the foresight to study the riptide map and he knew how, uh, how we could get out. He knew which direction to swim. So he said, Alyssa, listen to me you have to swim in this direction, and you have to swim hard, and you have to swim fast. And I did. Um, I just swam, and I swam, and honestly, I didn't even look back to make sure Jay was still alive. I just booked it. And in that moment, um, and that's easier said than done, by the way, to swim really hard and really fast when you have a great big belly. Um, but I, I just did it, and, and I, I swam hard, and I, I got to land, and Jay got to land too, and, and we survived. Um, but the thing, the crazy thing about that and why I think, you know, I was able to just swim and swim really hard, even though we're so far out, um, is because fear, fear does something to us. Um, it does something to our bodies. And it's actually something really good. Uh, and I want to talk about that for a minute. I want to talk about um, functional fear and the way that fear actually helps us in moments of high stress. Um, even though the words, do not be afraid, um, happen to be one of the most repeated commands in the Bible, uh, the reality is that at a physiological level, so at a like, body systems level, um, it's pretty much impossible for you to not feel fear if there's something scary going on around you. Um, so you can't control that feeling of fear. You know, if someone jumps out of the bushes at you and you scream or you hide or you run, um, many of those responses that you feel are out of your control. So when Jay told me to swim and I recognized that I was in danger, um, I actually had no control over my, my racing heart and my rapid breathing, my fear reaction. And that's because, and quick disclaimer, I'm about to get a little sciency on you here. Um, there's a, a part of your brain called the amygdala, and your amygdala is your brain's emotional response center. And once it determines that um, there's a reason to be afraid, so once it's, it triggers, um, once it decides that you have a reason, and that's because, disclaimer, uh, I'm gonna get a little sciency on you, um, there's a part of your brain called the amygdala. And, oh my gosh, I'm going to start this paragraph all over again. And my nose is really itchy. So you can't control that feeling of fear. If someone jumps out of the bushes at you and you scream or you hide or you run, many of those responses are actually out of your control. 
Um, so when Jay told me to swim and I recognized the danger that I was in, I had no control over my racing heart or my rapid breathing. I had no control over my fear reaction. And that's because, and disclaimer, I'm about to get a little sciencey on you here, um, there's a part of your brain called the amygdala, and that's your brain's emotional response center. And once it determines that there's a reason to be afraid, it triggers what's called a sympathetic response in our bodies. And that's where adrenaline and other stress hormones are released, and we experience something that we often um, refer to as a fight or flight response. And you've probably heard about that. You know, your heart starts racing, your breathing speeds up, your blood pressure goes through the roof, um, your pupils dilate um, so that you can see danger, um, your digestive system temporarily shuts down. All of this happens. Um, and all of this happens to help save your life in the face of a threat. Um, the re this response is what happens, you know, if you're being chased by tigers or you have a near-miss traffic accident, you know, someone almost hits you, or you hear the sound of breaking glass. And our fear response, this fear reaction, is a natural way that our bodies try to save us. Um, and the idea is that when these things happen, like our, our heart beating fast or our lungs taking in more air, um, we have more oxygen and more energy to run faster. And because our pupils dilate, we can see clearer. And because our digestive system is paused and we don't have to worry about having to go to the washroom. You know, so our bodies actually give us all these extra tools, these amazing tools that we need in order to, you know, run away from whatever it is that's threatening us or whatever it is our brain thinks might try to hurt us. All that to say, fear um, isn't bad. It, it actually has its place and it can be functional, even um, life-saving. It's meant for good. And in fact, I'd even go as far as to say that it's a gift from God. The ability to react quickly and save ourselves, um, this is something that he gave us to help ensure our survival. Okay, so science talk over, back to Peter and Jesus. So where's the disconnect here, though? Where did Peter go wrong? Um, and if we are limited in our control of the amount over, like how much fear affects us, then why does the Bible tell us so many times not to be afraid? Well, in the face of fear, Peter did exactly what his human nature was designed to do. He reacted in the flesh. Um, in denying Jesus, Peter was saving himself. And, and it, was, it says that after he realized what he did, he broke down and he wept. See, even though Peter Peter experienced a natural fear reaction in saving himself. It led him to do something that he didn't want to do. So his fear governed his decision-making, and it took him uh, to a place where he did something he didn't want to do. Not just something he didn't want to do, but something he said he would never do. In that moment of life or death, Peter let his fear, instead of his faith, govern his actions. I'm going to say that again because I think it's huge. In a moment of life or death, Peter let his fear, instead of his faith, govern his actions. He said, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And he said that from a place of faith, naive faith it would seem, but faith nonetheless. 
And yet he reacted according to his flesh. And his reaction was totally different when push came to shove. And that decision, that flesh reaction um, brought regret. It ate him up. I mean, we see later that Peter walked away from everything he knew as a disciple, and he went back to being who he was before Jesus in the wake of this decision. He went back to being a fisherman. His fear, letting his fear govern those decisions, cost him his faith in that season. So fear happens, stress happens, life or death situations happen, um, but in order for us to not be governed by it, in order for us not to let it rule us and rule our responses, um, our natural fear, human fear reaction requires a supernatural response. Our natural human fear reaction requires a supernatural response. See, fear is a natural reaction. Sorry, I'm going to undo that. See, Jesus knew fear. As someone who is fully human, he absolutely felt the adrenaline-fueled feelings of terror and of stress um, any time a threat was present, right? And this feeling, like I said, is designed to save our lives. And yet, when it came to the cross, Jesus did not let his fear govern him, and instead he surrendered completely to God. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays that if it's possible, that the hour might pass from him. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. And there, there it is. That is fear. That is fear, and he's wanting to save himself in that moment. But then he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. In the face of fear, Jesus says, not what I will, but what you will. So Peter was naive about his fear. And then in that moment, he let his fear govern his actions. He let his fear decide how he would react, which ended in regret. But Jesus submits to God's power, saying, in the face of fear, I can't do this. But I know you can, God. So let your will be done. So what does this look like for us today? How do we take the fear that we are all experiencing at heightened levels right now? This natural reaction, um, the stress of it, how do we take that, these, these feelings too, that we have very little control over in the moment? And how do we use it to help us find a faith-deepening response, a supernatural response? Maybe... The answer isn't denying our fear, but instead using it. Is it possible to train our bodies in that place of fear with heightened sense of clarity and readiness for action to choose faith? Can we train ourselves to respond differently to fear, letting that adrenaline surge serve as a reminder to immediately go to a place of faith, to immediately say, not my will, but yours? The answer is yes. Yes, we can. We can't escape the physiological feelings of fear and stress, the, the body response to fear and stress. We can't escape that. It's out of our control. You can't stop your heart from racing. 
but you can, and, and yes, sorry, we can't escape uh, the physiological feelings of stress and fear. We can't, uh, we can't stop our hearts from racing. We can't stop the way our bodies respond to a threat. Yes, um, we can do what we can towards dampening these effects in our life, um, but that actual like heart racing, fast breathing response, that is something that's out of our control. But what if we took these physical signs and we used them instead as a reminder to recognize that we have a God who loves us and who wants us to be able to think clearer and move faster straight towards him, towards his will for our lives. What if when I feel fear, I remember that this is a gift from God, that in that moment where I'm breathing fast and my heart is racing, that these are tools he has given me to be able to overcome a threat. And in that moment, I use that adrenaline and my heart racing as a reminder to find faith and seek his will for my life. What if, like Jesus, when I experience my darkest fear, I manage to say and genuinely mean, not my will, but yours, God? Um, there's this amazing TED Talk, and I'm actually going to include a link to it um, in, uh, in YouTube here in the video, um, that talks about how uh, ways that you can make stress your friend. Um, and I really encourage you to watch it. Um, it. It has this amazing explanation. I'm just going to summarize it here. Um, that says essentially, if you can see your stress response, so your fear response in your body, that heart racing, faster breathing, if you can see that as a good thing instead of a bad thing, um, a good thing enabling you to do amazing things like think clearer, move faster, react better, um, even in some cases be stronger. You know, we hear stories of moms who are, or parents whose kids were in danger and they just moved at like a supernatural speed or, you know, lifted up a car or whatever, um, that in these moments that this is something good, that we have the ability to do something just totally crazy and totally supernatural here. Um, that if you can change your perspective on that fear response, if you can change your perspective on that stress response and see it not as something bad, but something good, that at a body level, at a physiological level, it actually turns into courage. That fear instead turns into bravery. How cool is that? If you can shift your perspective and see it for what it is, a gift from God to help you survive, um, that it can actually turn that fear in your chest into bravery. That's amazing. So when our fear governs our body, we shut down and we respond in the flesh and we react only to save ourselves. But when we can see our fear response as something good, we become brave, and we can use that bravery to press into the will of God. And again, that's where the supernatural stuff happens. So I want to close from a verse from 1 Peter um, 3, verse 14. It says this, But even if you happen to suffer for doing what is right, you will have the joyful experience of the blessing of God. And don't be intimidated or terrified by those who would terrify you. But give reverent honor in your hearts to the anointed one and treat him as the holy master of your lives. 
So here is the same Peter, the same loyal friend who fearfully denied that he knew Jesus at all. Now years later, encouraging us to treat God as the holy master of our lives in the face of fear. Do not be afraid, intimidated, terrified. Do not let fear reign in your hearts, but instead let it bring you to a place of reverent honor and see God as the master of your life. You can't eliminate fear, um, but you can allow your fear to lead you to a place of deeper faith. Not my will, but yours, God. So if this message finds you in a place of fear this week, maybe it's financial struggles, maybe you're worried about money or how you're going to pay rent or bills, um, maybe it's fear for your health, or maybe it's uh, fear for the health of your family. That's okay. That is okay. Take time to recognize these reactions in your body for what they are. It's your body perceiving a threat. It's your body um, allowing you to come to a place where you can do some really amazing things. Think clearer um, and be stronger. And, and then let your racing hearts and your rapid breathing, your fear reactions, guide you towards a supernatural response. One that says, God, I trust you. On my own, I am selfish, but with your help, I can be brave. And I can say, not my will, but yours. Let your fears this week take you to a place of deeper faith in God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much um, for being so good to us and for giving us the tools we need in and of ourselves um, to, to be brave and to find courage. God, this is a gift from you. And so I pray that for all of us as we go into this week and we're scared and there are times where our hearts are racing and our, our breath is, is just going so fast and it's, it's hard to think of what to do except just save ourselves. God, that we would recognize these things um, for what they are, an, an opportunity from you for us to think clearly and for us to choose courage and choose bravery and for us to press into you. Jesus, you, even you felt fear, but you were able to press into the will of God. And, and Lord, I pray for each one of us that you would just give us the courage this week to do the same. That when we're so afraid of what's going to happen um, or what the future looks like, that we would take these responses um, and we would just be brave, and we would ask that your will be done. In your name I pray. Amen.